Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the life-changing, comma, earth-shattering podcast, the Thriller Fiction Podcast with your host, Jim Heskett. I'm here to blow your puny minds with only the best quality thriller fiction in the world. Today, da-da-da, we're reading the first chapter of Nailgun Messiah, and I'm going to give you some behind-the-scenes information about it. Now, if you're binging this entire podcast, you may realize that we uh, read the first chapter of Nailgun Messiah way back in season one of this podcast, back when it was actually called the Nailgun Messiah podcast. Yes, I realize that. And what we're going to be reading now is the first chapter of Nailgun Messiah, and I'm also going to be doing some behind-the-scenes stuff at the end of uh, reading the chapter. But uh, this may be a little bit different because since that was first published, I went back and I made some new edits. So I think this chapter is a little shorter, a little tighter. So I don't know, maybe you can listen to both and compare them and let me know what you think. You know, feel free to go to jimheskett.com, go to the about page um, or the contact page and send me a note. Or you can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash author Jim Heskett. And you can message me there. Uh, those are two great ways to contact me. I'm on Twitter, but I hate Twitter, and I'm never there. So if you message me on Twitter, I might not see it for, like, weeks. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we're now going to read the first chapter of Nailgun Messiah, and then we're going to chat after. So here we go. The pillowcase over Micah Reed's head smelled of sweat and some kind of facial cleanser. Acne product, maybe. He couldn't tell for sure, and it didn't matter because he had more pressing problems. The ropes binding his hands and feet were problem number one, since his top priority was leaving this room alive. The man who'd put him here had other plans. The jerk had snatched Micah off the street as he was about to walk into an AA meeting. Micah, the man said, and Micah could see a vague outline through the white fabric of the pillowcase. Are you ready to talk yet? The back of Micah's head throbbed. He'd been knocked down with something, but he hadn't seen it coming, only a thwack and then a sudden pair of arms wrapping around his stomach. He decided to play tough. Take this pillowcase off my head and we'll see, it stinks like sweat. The man ripped off the pillowcase and it took Micah a few blinks to adjust to the light in the room. He was in a garage with a single bulb hanging from a cord on the ceiling, big oil stain on the floor under the man's feet. The light swung gently back and forth, casting the man's shadows left and then right. Cork boards decorated the walls, with tools arranged on pegs, standard suburban Denver garage with typical scarred-up snowboard hanging from wall hooks. I'm Seth. This person standing before Micah was a little younger than him, maybe mid-twenties. Big spacer earrings making his lobes dangle as his head moved. And his head moved a lot because he was fuming like he'd never been this pissed off before. Micah couldn't say for sure because he'd only met the guy today. Where is my cocaine, Seth said, and his eyes darted to the left, nose ring glinted in the light. Michael followed the look to a portable workbench where Seth had laid out a collection of instruments such as screwdrivers and hammers. Are you going to poke my eyes out or smash my hand if I don't tell you? It'll be easier if you set my hand on the bench. You might want to think about how you're going to undo these ropes. 
Micah lifted his hands and then realized they weren't bound with ropes, but orange extension cords tied in knots. Same with his feet. Uh, extension cords? Wasn't the most professional kidnapping he'd ever seen. This Seth kid either didn't know what he was doing, or he'd acquired Micah through some impulsive snatch and grab. Regardless, Micah could get out of these easily if he could find a way to distract the pierced cyborg. But as Micah was thinking of ways to divert Seth's attention, the kid snatched a screwdriver, flipped it so the point faced down, and then jammed it into Micah's thigh. Searing pain burst from the two-inch hole halfway between his knee and his hip. Seth twisted the screwdriver on the way out, and an arc of blood squirted into the air as he withdrew it. You think I'm playing? Seth said. Micah took a couple seconds to catch his breath as stars dotted his vision. His leg vibrated while the pain radiated through his thigh. A trickle of blood darkened his jeans and slowly grew from a spot to a circle, and pain throbbed up and down his leg like cars on a track. No, I could see you're serious. Seth hunkered down in front of Micah, fiddling with the screwdriver, spinning it in his hands. He licked his lips and Micah heard a tongue stud click against Seth's teeth. Why don't you start at the beginning? Micah took a deep breath. The true story went like this. Micah met some girl at the grocery store. Her name was Allison. Allison was adorable in that misfit hipster kind of way, with her shabby chic clothes and sculpted hair, eyelashes a mile long. They bonded while standing in a long checkout line because she rolled her eyes at the cover of a trashy magazine with an expose describing one celebrity cheating on her husband with another celebrity. Micah and Allison discussed the trappings of fame and he liked the way she wrinkled her nose while she was thinking. He got her phone number. Later he called her and they went out on a couple of dates which was a bad idea for several reasons. One of them was that Micah was only four months sober in Alcoholics Anonymous and dating early in recovery is generally frowned upon. Another reason was that Allison was a drug mule for a dangerous organization and she usually kept a few bricks of cocaine near her at all times. Micah didn't know this second fact, of course. He'd been too dumbfounded by the prospect of making a real human connection, something he hadn't done in years. Those initial dates led to sleepovers and one evening last week some cops decided to raid her house in the middle of the night. Allison flushed all of the cocaine barely in time. Micah slipped out the back window before they found him because he had a dicey history with cops. To prevent making his present and future dicey, he avoided police contact like bee stings. But then it started going around in certain circles that Allison's dealer was going to execute her for losing such a ginormous amount of cocaine, so Micah told some key people he was the one who had flushed it. He didn't want to see cute hipster Allison take a bullet in the back of the head. And that is how Micah found himself in Seth's garage with the screwdriver hole in his thigh. I'm waiting, Seth said. Micah shrugged. Cops came. I dumped it like a teenager caught masturbating. I don't know what else you want me to say. Seth sighed as he dropped the screwdriver on the workbench and picked up a hammer. I think you're full of shit. I've been straight up with you and you can't do the same for me, so now we're moving on to stage two. Look, I'll save you some time, Micah said. There's not anything else to tell. You can cut on me and jab on me with more of your Home Depot collection, but it's not going to change my story. Micah glanced at the spreading circle of blood on his jeans. He didn't think he would bleed out anytime soon, but he needed to close up that wound somehow within the next few minutes. There had to be a way to hurry this along. Allison has always been a good runner, Seth said. Getting mixed up with you was a mistake that doesn't make any sense. You, Micah Reed, are something of a mystery. 
It was hard to dig up info on you. Why is that? Micah made sure that Seth's eyes were on his face so he could test the extension cords binding his legs. They were a little loose, so he started working his feet back and forth. I don't know, I don't live on the internet like most people, I guess. Seth held the hammer above Micah's head and gave it a couple of test taps. Micah held firm. Seth frowned. So maybe dissecting you into little pieces won't make you tell me what I want to know. So how about this? I'll go to where you work for that bounty hunter Mueller. Micah's ears perked up at the mention of his boss and AA sponsor Frank. He tried to seem disinterested, but the fact that Seth could find this out about him was a problem. And I'll smash up his office and then get my boys to string up Mueller and bleed him like a pig. Would that help you remember where my cocaine is? Seen Micah now had a choice of either sacrificing Frank or giving up Allison. Frank could take care of himself, but Micah didn't want to involve in something so dumb. Seth seemed to be growing impatient with Micah's silent treatment, so he raised his weapon. As he was about to bring it down, Micah burst from the chair and wrapped his bound hands around the hammer just above Seth's. He used all of his inertia to push the butt of the hammer at Seth's face, which smashed his nose and drove him back into the wall as tools clattered to the ground around them. Micah kicked off the extension cords around his feet, but his hands were too tightly bound to free them right now. Instead, he set his sights on a door leading out of the garage into a backyard and scrambled for the doorknob as Seth lurched to his feet. As Micah threw open the door and rushed for the yard's back fence, Seth appeared in the doorway. Run, you piece of shit, Seth said. If I catch you, I'll kill your whole family. And that is chapter one of Nailgun Messiah. So... If you remember last week, I went into a great deal talking about why Airbag Scars was book zero and Nailgun Messiah was book one, even though um, I wrote Airbag Scars first, kind of, I'll get into it, and Nailgun Messiah second. And compare the first chapter of Nailgun Messiah to the first chapter of Airbag Scars. The first chapter of Nailgun Messiah is much better. It's about half as long. It's a lot more exciting. Even though the first chapter of Airbag Scars has that really killer twist at the end, you know, where Micah goes to get his car at the, um, he goes to get his car at the impound lot and he finds a woman's track shoe stuck under the front bumper. That's a great twist at the end of the first chapter, but I think in whole, as a whole, the first chapter of this book of Nailgun Messiah is better because it shows you more of Micah's personality while still moving the plot forward and providing an exciting scene. You know, Mike is being held hostage by this maniacal drug dealer. That's a pretty exciting little scene. Anyway, so here we are talking about um, what Nailgun Messiah is like. And here it is that first, okay, so first I wrote Airbag Scars and a different version of Airbag Scars. And then when I started writing Nailgun Messiah, it had nothing to do with a character named Micah Reed. Micah Reed as you know him now, as the former member of Witness Protection who now works for Frank at a, at a um, fugitive recovery service place, he didn't exist. Nelgan Messiah was originally conceived with a completely different lead character, a guy who I was calling Billy, although I probably, you know, I, I probably had intended to change his name before it became final, but it had much of the same plot. You know, this book revolves around Micah going up into the mountains to seek refuge with his sister after running away from this drug dealer and then discovering his sister lives with some people who may not have the best intentions. 
So a lot of that plot stuff was the same, but I just couldn't get excited about the book, Nailgun Messiah. There was something wrong with it, um, and I couldn't figure out what it was. But then, one day, it just kind of occurred to me what the actual problem was. The problem was that I didn't care about that main character. And at the time, I had been sort of nurturing and thinking on this idea of a character... I wanted to write a series character because I had only written standalone things up until that point, and so I wanted to write a character who I felt was strong enough to be the lead for multiple books, but I didn't want to write a wooden action hero. I didn't want to write just another, you know, take your pick of bland two-dimensional action heroes. I didn't want to write that. I wanted to write someone who was closer to an everyman rather than like a hyper-trained government agent but I wanted him to be interesting and compelling enough to be the star of multiple books. So I came up with this idea of um, Micah Reed and this guy who was my first idea for him was that he was a remorseful hitman. Before I had the name Micah Reed, that's what I called him was remorseful hitman. The idea that he was a contract killer and he felt bad about being a contract killer. So the book was going to be the book series was going to be about him trying to make amends for his contract killing. And, you know, of course that changed because Micah is not a contract killer and the books are about a lot more than him just being remorseful for the things he did. But that was the basis of it. And then as I figured out that character and I came up with the witness protection angle and came up with the drug cartel angle, I realized if I took that character and plugged him into this story that wasn't working, suddenly the story worked. I was excited about it. So I went back and I rewrote uh, a lot of key sections, um, you know, things that 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 didn't work uh, because it was Micah instead of this other bland character. Actually, I think at the time I had only outlined it. I don't think I'd actually written the full book, but yeah, that's right. It was an outline. So I redid the outline with Micah as the main character and said, you know, okay, Micah wouldn't do that. He would actually do this instead. And then when I sat down to write the book, it just worked. Um, and so I had written airbag scars with Micah Reed already and then plugging them into Nailgun Messiah, it just worked. And I just and then I realized, hey, you know, Nailgun Messiah is a much better book one for a series than airbag scars. And I touched on this last week, so I'm not going to rehash all of it. I just decided that I would make Nailgun Messiah book one then I could give away airbag scars for free on my website, which you can get at jimheskett.com, of course, always for free. And uh, when I when I guess when I say always, I mean as of this recording, because who knows what's going to happen in the future. Maybe airbag scars isn't available for free anymore. Maybe Nelgun Messiah, you can't even buy it anymore. Who knows? Maybe they will have, um, Amazon will have gone out of business by the time this recording comes out. Probably not, though. Anyway, so that's the story of how Nailgun Messiah came to be in this first chapter. is an exciting little introduction to Micah. You can see here, he's a little snarky. He's only four months sober, so he's still pretty angry about uh, at the world. He's a little snarky. He's got kind of an attitude and, and put up against this punk drug dealer, Seth. Micah's not going to take any guff off him. Um, so we see a Micah that's still pretty edgy. As we've seen, you know, because remember, and we're reading the Micah Reed chronological edition, and chronologically, this is the time when Micah gets sober. He literally got sober during the events of Airbag Scars, and now he's at four months sober. And as we go throughout the books, Micah's going to accrue more sobriety time. So we see a Micah who's, um, I mean, 
I think you can see Micah change over the course of, of the books and that he gets more um, confident. He gets more um, clever and able to think, consider the feelings of others because, you know, alcoholics, when they're drinking and newly sober, are pretty selfish people. So we see Micah being able to consider other people more and be more selfless and um, act in a more altruistic manner. So that's all I have to say. I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you next week for the first chapter of Casino Cartel. All right, take it easy. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.